This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney. first kiss, the first real job you had, your first girlfriend, your first concert, your kid taking their first step, your first time on an airplane, the first time you heard your all-time favorite band. Whether you love coming in first place, always go with your first thought, or are always first to the buffet line like me, we all love first. Believe it or not, we at Growing Up Rock are celebrating our first anniversary. Turn it up, people. Sonny, happy birthday, my friend. Happy first birthday, anniversary, whatever we want to call it. Holy shit, we're a year old now. Yeah, it's uh, the year kind of went fast, to be honest with you. Super fast, dude. When you think about it, literally a year ago, you and I barely knew each other. And now we're a year into this thing. We've done almost 60 episodes. We're planning on going on the Monsters of Rock cruise in 2019. We're hanging out. I mean, this is crazy shit, man. Thank God for rock and roll, my friend. <laughs> I know. And uh, on the radio show last night, we were talking about it's amazing, like that one rock and pod last August, and I got probably 20 good friends out of it. And I'm, a, I'm an acquired taste when it comes to personality at 48 years old. <laughs> So to make 20 new friends is unbelievable. And they're all music friends. Like, I don't have a lot of those friends. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Like, I have very, very few circle friends, like friends that I've known most of my life, uh, just because, you know, a lot of them move away. And uh, so I don't have a ton. I have probably four or five really good friends that I'm still in contact with each uh, each week and don't necessarily hang out with them every week, but still around. And then from the podcast community, I've probably acquired somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20 or 30 people that I talk to on a pretty regular basis. And like you said, acquired taste will hell I'm 51 years old, and to be quite honest, I got my pants pulled up around my chest, and I hate people. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. Get off my lawn. I don't care. <laughs> and even even my closest friends, which I'm lucky I have a lot of close friends, except for basically my best friend, my brother, and his brother, everybody else is into either hip-hop or country 
or pop rock or alt rock. They don't listen to the stuff I listen to. Yeah, you know, that's true. And none of my really close friends are as versed in metal, but I have some close friends that are music lovers as a whole. So we talk music, but yeah, I mean, the only people that I talk nonstop uh, rock and roll, hard rock and metal is with the social media community, the podcast community. That's pretty much it. And then, uh, of course, <laughs> as we well know, that's kind of the reason that Grown Up Rock uh, is here so that I can get on the phone each and every week and talk rock and roll with uh, my partner in crime, right? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I was really looking forward to this this week because I'm like, you know, at work, you just run into some stuff that it just bogs you down after a while. And it's like, man, I get to talk rock and roll tonight. Finally. I don't got to think about work for an hour or so. And for you, you get to talk rock and roll at least three nights a week because you're not only doing the Grown Up Rock podcast, you're doing Podcast Rock City, you're doing the radio show. So, I mean, you're talking rock and roll at least three days a week, pretty much on a regular basis these days. Yeah, it's fun. You know, two of those days are pretty much all kiss, but I don't mind talking kiss all the time. Nah, it's good to have the grown-up rock outlet because that really opens it up to you. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is Ron Bumblefoot Thal from Sons of Apollo. You are listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael and Hollywood Pony. Turn it up. What a first year it's been. We've got lots to kind of go over and talk about. Before we get into all of that, Sonny, I'm going to ask you, do you love it loud? Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on-site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and on-stage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except, Bang Day. Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club. School of Rock Nashville and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so Grown Ups of the Week, these are the folks that shared us on Facebook, retweeted us on Twitter, and uh, we got a lot of them because not only our Podchaser episode, but the Dockin episode did well. I think we gained some new listeners from playing Bad Boy Eddie from Antioch and playing Master Shooter. There were some folks that really liked those couple of songs. So here's the Grown Ups of the Week, Chad Reese, Tony Rambo. Kevin number two. So let me tell you a story about this. So this guy's a friend of mine. His name is Kevin, obviously. And he's kind of a hip hop guy, Backstreet Boys, in sync, likes that pop stuff. But we call him number two because we used to have poker parties. 
And he would strive to be second place all the time so he would be in the money. <laughs> so we started calling him number two. He never wanted to win for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> What's he doing uh, listening to Growing Up Rock? <laughs> uh, I, I think he's just listening, you know, to be a friend, you know. All right, fair um, Mike Parnell, Aaron Baker, Howie Mann, 43, Bill Elam, Bill Algy, Dave Saker, Lady Lake Music, End of Days Music, Isa Daisy One, Anna Marie Pripe, Rodney Dixon, No Mip 13, Terry Lee Bolton, Kim Goldberg, Ziggy Walks, HairnetRadio.com, Alan Tate, Marcelo Verzi, Janet Eck, Jody Havnot, Jay Sablewski, Little Fish, Talking Metal, Levels In, Nighthawk, Andrew Jacobs, Music Palace Radio, Electric Circus Radio, Bella Lowe's 1966, Dirk Sokolowski, Mark Winder 8, Ogata. Ogata shares us a lot. So appreciate that so much. David Hudson, Lucky Charms, uh, Walt Wilson, Shawana Lee, David Cathy, Jules, Vinny Folletti. I love it. Loudcast. Those guys have become huge fans or are giving us shout outs all the time. And I love their podcast, too. Yeah. Focus on Metal, Steve Wright, Jason Alexander, Daryl Alber, Classic Rock Drops, Eladio, The Power Chord Channel, Digital Killed, DNR Studio CEO, Metal Empire Mag, Tammy Sullivan, Adam Cox, Podcast Rock City, Dan Nation, our buddy Chris Sinzak at Decibel Geek, Tony Masalam, Fast Vinny, Mr. Cole Thornton, Tom Dust, Ages of Rock Podcast, Peter Cessary. He sent me a messenger and he was singing Just Got Lucky in the car. <laughs> It was actually pretty good. That's Peter. Peter loves to sing. <laughs> Dude, he's got a good voice. He really does. Uh, Peter just loves to sing. And I love I love Peter's spirit. Peter, you got good spirit. And Peter's part of the I Love It Loud cast, if you yeah. didn't know that. so Gons, Robert Alanese, Courtney Cronin-Dold, Jason Kearney, Shane Abert, Victor Ruiz at Ear Peelers always helping us out, Save Rock and Metal. The Peter Principles, Carrie Davis, Restrained, who supplies the bumper music, Paris Records, Mast Intruder shared us again, <laughs> and uh, Podchaser shared us. So a great week for sharing. Absolutely. And we appreciate not only all these folks that share us each and every week, but we appreciate everybody that's supported us over the course of the last year. It's been amazing. And we are so proud to be a part of the community and so proud to say that we are doing our small little part to help keep rock and roll alive. And I love it. Hey, this is Steve Stevens. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen and Hollywood. Crank it up. Crank me up! It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, it's time for the Crank It Up Spotlight before we get into this anniversary edition of Growing Up Rock. And for this episode of the Crank It Up Spotlight, we are going to call on an old friend from Digital Killed the Radio star, David Hudson. He donated to the Rockin' Pod VIP in the name of Growing Up Rock, and because of that, not only do we love it and appreciate it, but he gets to pick the Crank It Up Spotlight for this episode, which ended up being our anniversary episode, and so David selected an interesting band by the name of Bass Drum of Death. 
I heard this song. I, I've never heard a bass drum of death, uh, just being mm-hmm. transparent. So I go to YouTube, listen to the song, and I'm like, okay, the name doesn't match the music. Then I went to Wiki, and the guys are like garage punk, and they don't really match the music or the name. It's all kind of weird. All that being said, this song is pretty catchy. Yeah. So give it a listen. This is a song called Third Coast Dreaming by Bass Drum of Death. Bass Drum of Death and Third Coast Dreaming. Again, that is from our friend at Digital Killed the Radio Star, Mr. David Hudson. And if you haven't listened to their show, check it out. It covers a really wide spectrum of rock and roll. So their podcast is not just hard rock or metal. They like hard rock and metal, but they also love REM and they also love Pink Floyd and they also love just a wide variety of stuff. My morning jacket and Black Crows and all this different stuff. 
quite an interesting podcast. So check it out if you want. Both Sonny and I, I think, have been on his show at one point or another. And David's done a uh, time capsule episode uh, with Growing Up Rock as well. So go check out Digital Killed the Radio Star. Hey, kids, this is John Karabi, and I'm hanging with Sonny Hollywood Pony. And you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. Turn it up, kids. See ya. So all that being said, let's get into what we're all here about, which is Hollywood, myself, the Grown Up Rock podcast, and all the listeners that has supported us over the past year. It's our anniversary episode. And for this anniversary episode, Hollywood, you want to explain to the people exactly what we're doing here? Yeah, so our intent was, and I'm a believer, I think Stephen believes this too, that whatever you were listening to really in your high school years is your bang zone of music. You might, you know, venture off. I ventured off to The Temptations and some other stuff that I liked, but the core of the music that I listened to are the things that I listened to in high school and uh, the kind of music I listened to in high school. So what we wanted to do is talk about those bands that we first got into music with but then talk about how kind of we got into that band and then what was their first album like, right? So kind of going with the first theme. Because in most cases, what we heard from that particular band was not their first rodeo. They were probably, in some cases, on their third, fourth, or fifth album. So we had to go backwards to go get the rest of their discography. So uh, that's kind of the show for today. And this is going to carry on to each anniversary episode, right? Yeah, so we'll share, you know, on our second year, third year, fourth year, hopefully we're around that long. Hopefully people care for us to be around that long. Uh, We'll share other bands, possibly might share the same bands and then talk about their second album or their third album, depending on what year we're in. So we're going to try to make it a a show that we can repeat. That's it. Awesome. So you want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off? I think you should kick this whole thing off. Yeah, so I'll kick it off. So. I went to high school from 83 to 86, and I went to high school in Northern California. And my first band that I'm going to talk about is Night Ranger. So if you went to high school in California in the early 80s and you don't know who Night Ranger is, you must have been sleeping under a rock or under the bleachers because there was no way to get away from these guys, number one. Uh, Number two, especially in Northern California, number two, they were all over MTV. Sister Christian must have played 10 times an hour, I swear to God. Like if I wanted to see Sister Christian, all I had to do was hit the TV, wait a few minutes, bam, Sister Christian's on. So that's where I kind of first heard of Night Ranger was the Sister Christian video. But because they were in the Bay, I had a couple of opportunities to go see them and they should have been the first concert I ever saw. But for whatever reason, the couple of opportunities I had in high school to see them fell through, and I didn't end up seeing them until 87. So because we're talking Sister Christian, my high school years, really I'm on their second record, right, Midnight Madness. But reality is their first record was actually Dawn Patrol. And when you hear this song that I want to play for you, it's more pop-oriented, I think. But Dawn Patrol released in 82 And you're going to find that unlike most bands, uh, most of the bands in our genre, that first album, although they've kind of figured out their sound, it kind of polishes itself later on. 
But man, Night Ranger, they'd been together a while already and they'd already done a few things. They'd played live a lot. That that first album, you can hear their ultimate sound right away. And this song that we're going to play for you could have easily been on Seven Wishes five years later. Songs called Young Girl in Love. So I'm going to just say it right now. Night Ranger is one of those bands that for me, I was there from the beginning, starting with Dawn Patrol. I love this band from the get-go. Dawn Patrol probably 
probably my favorite of the Night Ranger records. I mean, I really, really love this record. Now, Young Girls in Love, good pop tune. I personally would have gone with something more like Can't Find Me a Thrill or Eddie's Coming Out Tonight. I really dig those heavier tunes, but this record front to back for me was uh, great. So I don't, there's not a song on it uh, that I would skip personally. Yeah, and it's one of the few bands, it's happened a couple of times, but it doesn't happen often. It's one of the few bands where I heard them kind of at their second or third or fourth album. And then when you go to the first album, they sound the same. There's many bands that I heard second, third, fourth, maybe even sixth album first, go back to their first record. I'm like, is this the same band? Yeah. Like, they don't sound anything alike. Yeah, completely. And one thing, I'm not sure you said it when you were talking about the introduction to this episode, but one thing I think that's important to point out is the bands that we're talking about, both Sonny and I in this episode, were probably... I won't say they were our, they were definitely in our top 10 most influential bands in our high school years. I mean, the bands that I I selected were definitely huge impacts on me during my high school years. This was probably the earliest of getting into hard rock and metal for me. These are the bands that I drew all over my folder in high school. <laughs> I mean, that, these were the, these were the ones where I was drawing logos on my, on my high school folders, you know? Yeah. That's important to point out. Yeah. And I totally agree. And when uh, you hear all the bands, you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. So we're going to start off right out of the gate for me, which is, by all intents and purposes, uh, my Mount Everest of bands. Uh, and we are talking about the mighty, mighty Van Halen. Definitely my top band in my high school years, my first concert. It's been well documented throughout the course of our first year with this podcast. But I didn't start with Van Halen 1. I got into Van Halen on Fair Warning. Now, I had heard of Van Halen. I had even heard Van Halen's songs. But at some point, switch flicks in your head. And I don't know whether that's a coming of age thing. I don't know exactly what it is. But I can go right back to that moment. And for me, it was the summer of... I think it was my freshman year. So like the summer of 81, probably I was hanging out with a friend of mine. Most of the summer, we would play wiffle ball every summer because I was really into baseball. And he pulled out the fair warning record. Now, I don't remember exactly what year fair warning came out. Maybe it was 80, 81, but I think it was a brand new release that summer and he put that on the turntable. It was vinyl, and the first thing I heard was Mean Street, and for me, that flipped a switch, and I went batshit crazy for Van Halen. I went back. I bought every record in their catalog, and it was amazing. So if you go back to the first Van Halen record, 1978's Van Halen self-titled record, there's not a song that hasn't been played off this record. <laughs> I mean, literally, this record has been played time and time again. But I decided that I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to cheat just a little bit here, Sonny. Is that all right with you? Uh, yeah, whatever. 
<laughs> All right, I'm gonna cheat just a tiny bit. I'm gonna play a song that is off the Warner Brother demos. So Van Halen recorded a bunch of demos for Warner Brothers, which included that first album and a bunch of other songs that they had been playing in backyard barbecues and clubs on the Sunset Strip for years before they actually got their deal. And some of those songs went on to become other Van Halen classics. Some of them just you never heard from again. I'm going to play a song that, well, take a listen. The name of this song is called Young and Wild. That's, you know, obviously it's a demo, right? But, uh, you know, it's got the backing vocals, so it's got that kind of Van Halen flavor, so you can tell that's there. The song's good, but the verses would have needed some work to actually make the album. I can understand why it didn't make the album. Yeah, and the guitar work is there and everything. I mean, it's, listen, it's classic Van Halen. It's just, it's young and wild, as the song says. So it needs a little bit of a of a uh, touch-up, and who knows, maybe that'll appear on an upcoming Van Halen record if they ever put out another one. You never know. That's true. <laughs> all right, so that's that's all I'm going to say about that. I wanted to play something a little bit different, and I just didn't feel like playing uh, one of the many songs that I love off that record. All right, so my next one, I've made 
no secret about Striper is a favorite of mine, always has been. My entry to Striper is really to hell with the devil, which puts it at 86. I had heard Soldiers Under Command a little bit because there was a radio station where I lived called KVHS, which was like the rival high school rock station. And they played Soldiers Under Command a lot. But I really got into it to hell with the devil. And I remember I never understood this dude that went to our high school. And finally, it made sense to me once I got into Striper. So you would see like people with all of a sudden wearing yellow and black, right? It was like you'd walk around and people are wearing yellow and black. I'm like, why are they wearing yellow and black? And I didn't quite get it. And then this one guy took it to a new extreme. He had like born again Christian, walking around with a Bible. And he would go around asking people, are you feeling lonely? I'm like, dude, get the fuck away from me. Who are you? Right? And just, are you feeling lonely? And he'd be handling, he'd have this Bible in his hand. And I never got it. Until I went backwards in the Striper catalog and found the first record, Yellow and Black Attack. And I didn't realize he was saying to me the beginning of, you know what to do. So check this out. You know what to do. Striper, Yellow and Black Attack, 1984. Are you feeling lonely?
right on. Good old yellow and black attack. So we talked a lot about the four years difference between Sonny and I. This comes into play a lot in this episode because yellow and black was my introduction into Striper. So I had that from the beginning because I'd read about them in some magazine and got yellow and black attack on Enigma. So awesome. Yeah, there's not, I mean, you got catchy, it's positive, it's rock and guitar, they got great vocals, they're shredders, it's aggressive. There's not a lot to hate about Striper. No, and I mean, it was the perfect time for them anyway. It was different, you know, so I never looked too much into music. I mean, I would turn around and listen to Slayer or Sabbath and then turn right around and listen to Striper. I didn't really care because music was music as long as it had a rock and guitar and vocals and all that other stuff, then I was okay. So it's all good. All right, we moving on to Mon? Yeah. This is Gene Simmons from KISS. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast, which is stealing from KISS. Don't ever do it again. Hey, this is Sebastian Bach. Turn it up! So that was one of the many bumpers that I'll be dropping in of all these amazing artists that we've talked to. It's been pretty cool being able to talk to people, interview people, and get them on the show, and uh, that's just been a pleasure. And I want to read a couple of Facebook posts from people. I put a post out there and told people if they wanted to write in and give us a a couple of kind words, they were more than welcome to. And so uh, I'll read a couple of those right now from you. Our friend over there at the I Love It Loud cast, Peter Cicery, wrote in and said, so excited for you both and congrats. You put out a consistent, great product and you both are great guys also. Continue success and thanks on behalf of all your listeners. The I Love It Loudcast loves you. You guys rock and we love them. We're looking forward to seeing them in Nashville. That'll be cool. Uh, Our friend over at Decibel Geek, Chris Sinzak, Chris has been there from the beginning, and we appreciate everything that Chris, especially myself, had a lot of questions for Chris early on, and he was always super helpful. And it's basically how Sonny and I met, so to speak, through the Decibel Geek podcast. But he wrote in and said, you guys are great. Happy to see it grow from an idea into a show that is quality. Proud of you guys. And so we appreciate Chris. So that's awesome. I like visiting these little minutes as we go through all this music, and I am going to jump into probably what's in my top three bands of all time. I wrote this logo more times than I care to mention on my folders and probably school desk for which I was defacing at some point. We're going to talk about Iron Maiden. What can be said about the Mighty Maiden? What do you think, Sonny? Uh, Maiden's in my top 10. You know, this is one of those bands where I came in at Power Slave. Yeah. And I was, obviously, we were seeing a lot of peace of mind on MTV. So that's kind of where I came in. When I went backwards, uh, I listened to the first couple albums. I'm like, that's not the same guy. (laughs) And I don't like that guy's vocals at all. Right? There was just something completely different about that guy and to me there's some great songs on those first two albums yeah but they don't sound right to me until like live after death and later when dickinson does them 
Yeah, so the first couple of Maiden records are definitely acquired taste. I did not come in on the first Iron Maiden record. I came in on Killers. I am partial to Iron Maiden Killers. Both the first records have Paul Diano on them. Much more of a punk vibe, even though Steve Harris doesn't like that term. Those records had a punk vibe to them. They were still rock and roll, don't get me wrong, but it definitely had a punk vibe to them. Even their look was sort of a little bit punk, but I think that was more Diano than anything. And truth be told, I love Killers. Like I, Maybe it's because it was the first record for me, but I love that record front to back. I remember air guitaring to Killers off the back of uh, Childhood Friends' pickup truck. (laughs) I mean, that's where that record takes me right back to those days. And I can't tell you how much fun that was. Uh, I just, I loved that record. But we're going to go back to the first Iron Maiden. Uh, And the first Iron Maiden is good. It's got some good songs on it. It's got some stuff that I can kind of do without but we are going to play the lead-off track from the first Iron Maiden record. This is Prowler.
Yeah, love the riff on that song, but I will tell you, in my opinion, 1993's A Real Dead One, Dickinson does that song on that live album much better. Well, I don't think we're going to get into who the better vocalist is. I think they're two completely different vocalists, right? So it's kind of an apples and oranges thing. I get where you're coming from, and I get it, but there was a certain... There was a certain charm to the way that Diano delivered things and a certain vibe. And so I love the original version and not bad for 1980, right? I mean, we're talking 1980 for this. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's, it's good stuff. It's just, you know, just my vocal preference. I'm down with you. How about yeah. another bumper? Hey, guys, this is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with steven and sunny all right so my next pick uh white snake so you know i was thinking about something when i was prepping for the episode and tell me what you think of this because uh just thought of it today if you think about it you go to the record store and you go pick out an album and let's say in this instance i got in and slided in so you don't know if it's the band's first album. If you're thumbing through, there might be other albums there. And then I guess you can flip the back to see like which one was released first or not. But if Slide It In is the only album there, you don't technically know if that's the beginning of Whitesnake. So then you kind of count on the inserts in the, Al- in the LP to show, hey, do they have other releases? But the problem is if they changed labels or if there were only UK releases – Nothing in the sleeve tells you that there's other albums this band has. And there's no damn Google. And, you know, and you ask the kid at the cashier, he don't know. So you never really knew if you got the first album or if there was other albums. Right. Yeah, there's no way of telling. I never thought about that. That's true. Right. Now, I go, so I get slided in and I get into White Snake, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's good. Well, the White Snake self-title album didn't release till 87, and I bought that at Rasputin's. Well, when I go to Rasputin's to go buy that, there's all these English label albums. And I'm like, oh, my God, White Snake has other albums? So then I start buying Saints and Sinners, Trouble. Uh, I think there was one called Northern and something. Uh, I got them all. I just can't remember them all. Uh, Love Hunter, I mean, Love Hunter. So I start getting the older albums and start listening to those. And this is one of those bands that... Because Coverdale was just coming out of Deep Purple, what White Snake sounds like in '87 is not what White Snake sounds like in '78. Um, it's so much blues in '78. It's uh, like really slided in, kind of started moving them out of the blues thing a little, and then '87 put them into rock. Really, we're going to listen to one of my favorite songs off of Trouble. The song's called "Take Me With You." Check this out. Hey everybody, it's Joel Hoekstra of White Snake, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Sonny and Steven.
Yeah, so like Sonny said, totally bluesy back then, and that really is why, I mean, White Snake's popularity in Europe is so much more than it is here in the States, and the Europeans love that version of White Snake. Like, they are really into the bluesy version of White Snake. And if you listen to that song, Take Me With You, like I had to revisit that song because I hadn't heard that earlier White Snake in so long. I listened to that song this afternoon. Dude, the beginning totally reminds me of Atomic Punk. I listened to that after after I saw you put that in. I didn't hear it. Dude, that beginning, that very beginning intro part is the total rhythmic play of Atomic Punk. It just uh, doesn't have the the flange and the guitar, the phaser and the guitar, the weird sound that Eddie comes up with. And then yeah. and then the verses to me sound very rhythmically like hand jive. Like the way he <laughs> delivers the lines in the verses reminds me of hand jive. Oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what. So, I mean, it is interesting to me. I was surprised to hear that because probably don't have anything to do with one another. I'm just saying. Coverdale has a unique voice, though. I mean, I, I'll tell you that although those first albums, three or four albums, aren't what White Snake becomes later, Coverdale's voice is there, though. Yeah. There's no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, Sonny. So how can these fine listeners who have supported us over the course of this year, how can they help us out besides leaving us reviews on Podchaser or iTunes or our Facebook page? How can these folks help us out a little bit? The easiest way is Amazon. So, you know, you're hearing about all this great music. Maybe you have it. Maybe you don't. Amazon has a lot of this music available. All you got to do is just go to growinguprock.com and use our Amazon link to buy whatever you're going to buy this week. And, you know, I'm looking around. I got a water filter thing this week. I bought some uh, detergent this week I had delivered. Uh, I bought a couple of CDs this week that I had delivered. So, I mean, people are buying stuff on Amazon all the time. Just use the link and uh, you help us out because Amazon kicks back a little bit to us and you don't pay any more than you normally would, but it helps us out. No, and it's really super easy. You can just go to the grownuprock.com website and just scroll down maybe a couple of inches, scroll down and there's an Amazon banner. All you have to do is click on the Amazon banner and it takes you straight to the Amazon website. And if you want, you can even save that link to your desktop. So then you can just click on that link and it takes you straight to Amazon, but you're still doing your shopping through our link. And that's where it's important for us because they do give us a little bit of kickback. It doesn't cost you a dime, but it definitely helps us pay for hosting fees and putting out this content each and every week. So help us out. We appreciate it. This is Jeff Scott Soto from Sons of Apollo, and you are listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael and Hollywood Pooney. You better turn it up and keep it up. All right, so neck and neck with Iron Maiden is Judas Priest. Judas Priest was a huge band for me, just like Maiden was. I got into Priest somewhere around British Steel, 
screaming for vengeance somewhere in and around there was my sweet spot for Judas Priest. I think I was actually started with British Steel, if I'm being honest. And so got into that, ended up with Screaming for Vengeance, went back and got Point of Entry, and I was sold. I was hardcore. It was the second concert that I ever went to as far as rock and roll goes. I saw Priest on the Screaming for Vengeance tour. I was a diehard Priest fan. And they're, you know, they've been around for a while. You go back to 74, 75, even though they had this thing called Origins out, which wasn't necessarily really their first record. Rockarola, I think, was basically their first record. And there's some interesting stuff on Rock and Rolla. Definitely a different band back then. They were still finding themselves with those first couple albums. But Sonny, are you a Priest fan? Uh, yeah, yeah. I got in at, uh, I would say I got in as Screaming for Vengeance because you got another thing coming was on TV, MTV constantly. Nonstop. Yeah, I, I got that video playing in my head right now. Like, I know every frame of that video. The cool mannequin's head blowing off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they look cool then. Now, the year, though, they were in Defenders of the Faith, right? So at school, I was hearing heads are going to roll, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But video-wise, uh, you got another thing coming is what hooked me. Um, but I I would say I am a casual Priest fan. I like the hits. I don't know a lot of deep cuts. Yeah. I mean, I know pretty much the majority of stuff. My sweet spot is definitely British Steel, Point of Entry, Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders of the Faith. That is my sweet spot. I started heading downhill after Ram It Down. I even liked some of the stuff on Turbo, but it was definitely a different type of record. Uh, and then I went back and started rediscovering stuff off of like Sad Wings of Destiny and Sin After Sin and Stained Class, stuff like that. So I'm a diehard Priest fan, and we're going to pick something off their first record, Rockarola. This is a song called Never Satisfied. <laughs> Yeah. 
I'll tell you, luckily I heard Turbo, you got another thing coming, heads are going to roll before I heard this. Because if I would have heard this first, I'm not sure I would have been a Priest fan at all. Well, dude, if you'd have heard this back in 74, though, you might have been. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you can't compare You can't compare something that was done in 74 to stuff that you're listening to that's, you know, fresh out of the 80s. It's like, okay, first of all, the recording sounds different, you know? Yeah, I mean, Kiss was vastly different, too, but for some reason I connected better. I don't know why. Yeah, but even early Kiss, you know, who, who knows – if uh, if the first song you would have heard is, you know, kissing theme, <laughs> uh, kissing time, <laughs> yeah, kiss kissing time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, but you know, you got to appreciate the growth that happens, right? So, and you know, people change over time. So, that's right. all right, my next pick, they ain't changed a lick. <laughs> They're basically the same. They got less aggressive and. In the 90s, maybe a little bit, but uh, they've really never lost their edge, and that's Metallica. So if you think about it, in our high school years, concert T-shirts were like the badge of honor, right? You went to a concert, you bought a T-shirt, you wore it to high school the next day to tell everybody you went to the show, right? And being in Northern California, oh, my God, you would have thought Metallica were like our high school's alma mater type thing, like everybody talked about Metallica constantly. You saw Ride the Lightning shirts all the time. That is probably the shirt I've seen the most my entire life is that damn Ride the Lightning shirt. And, you know, Metallica was big and they were underground. And I think people liked that they were underground and people liked that they were Northern California, even though they kind of migrated there. And people love the aggressive tone so I was in, I got, I kind of got in at Master of Puppets, but when I went backwards and listened to all the stuff from Kill 'Em All and then uh, forward again, it's all incredible stuff. If you haven't heard this song, you need to go buy Kill 'Em All. Check out Seek and Destroy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Metallica, Metallica, Metallica. So that, again, that's the difference in the West Coast and where you grew up and where I grew up because we didn't have any of those type of concert shirts where I grew up. There was nothing about that. However, I was there from the beginning with Kill 'Em All. I uh, read about Metallica in Krang or some European metal mag and picked up Kill 'Em All on Metal Combat Records and was blown away from the get-go and that was long before you know the word was out on Metallica and I kind of watched that grow and uh, felt proud that I was kind of there from the beginning and then uh, you know felt kind of mad that they became mainstream (laughs) after that a little (laughs) bit even though I still loved it yeah and I'll tell you that riff it it makes me want to go break things like seek and destroy is honestly a great Great title for that riff because just so aggressive. I'm surprised. This is about the closest I get to thrash, to be honest. I can stomach some Megadeth, 
But uh, Metallica is about the closest I get to that type of music. Well, and you know what? I lied a little bit just now because I just remembered something, which is I didn't hear about Metallica through Krang or one of those metal mags, although I heard a lot of the bands that I discovered at that age through there. I just realized Metallica was actually on the first Metal Massacre double cassette thing that I earned from Metal Blade Records or from, yeah, it was Metal Blade Records, right? They put out the Metal Massacre things and that first Metal Massacre had Metallica and it was spelled wrong and it was Hit the Lights and that was the first Metallica song I ever heard. And also on that was this next band that I'm going to play. And the song that I'm going to play was on that Metal Massacre too. And it's the first time that I heard Rat and Roll. Take a listen to Tell the World.
So one thing I got to say, so it's a good song. One thing I got to say, though, is from that EP to Out in the Cellar, the growth is very, very comparable to Motley's to Fast for Love to Shout at the Devil growth. Oh, like huge. There was this polish that happened that year or two. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt, it's such an amazing growth. I mean... Tell the World was on that Metal Massacre, and then I got the EP, and then, you know, I was hyped. They finally got the big record deal with Atlantic Records. Bow Hill took over Turning the Knobs, and they come out with Out of the Cellar, and the first thing you see is Round and Round, and it's playing the video all the time. I loved that album. And really, the first two Rat records are why they're on my list. They were impactful to me in high school based on those first two records. Invasion of Your Privacy and Out of the Cellar were huge records for me. I spun those things literally nonstop on whatever device I had at the time. I loved those records. All right. So we're going to go to a big band. But you know what? It don't matter. Check this out.
so definitely another band that could have been easily on my folder at high school yeah i'm not you know i'm not totally in love with on through the night from leopard you know i obviously got in at pyromania i mtv you know i I started thinking today mtv was our youtube oh completely right so you know when i i guess my son will be saying in 10 years from now oh yeah i remember that on youtube blah 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 because i keep saying mtv but that really if i wasn't at school and i wasn't like at a sports thing, I played football for a while, I wrestled for a while, etc. I was in front of the boob tube listening to MTV. And if I wasn't there, I was in my room listening to KVHS. So that's just kind of how it grew for me. But uh, Leopard's one of the bands that you go backwards and it pretty much stayed the same. I mean, they, they ended up getting a little poppier, obviously, as they grow. I think they were trying to write hits and they're trying to make a lot of money and they made a lot of money. But there's not really a lot of bad Def Leppard music. I got to be honest there. I think for me, Pyromania was the jumping point for Leopard. It was Pyromania and High and Dry almost sort of simultaneously. Uh, But I think Pyromania was the one that was most accessible to me. And it was early on, so it wasn't. It wasn't on the third or fourth single. I mean, I was I was watching Photograph on Night Flight USA's Night Flight. I remember that. And I had read about them and Krang and they were part of the new wave of British heavy metal and all this shit. So I was well aware of who they were and what they were about. But I started with uh, Pyromania, I think. They were one of the few bands, if you think about it, between Pyromania and uh, Hysteria was four years. And they somehow kept it going. Lucky for them, Pyromania had a lot of hit singles. Yeah. Because back then, if you weren't throwing out an album every 18 months, you could easily got forgotten. Oh, easily. Then they did it again and didn't release Adrenalize for another five years. Yeah. And luckily, they had a lot of hits off Hysteria. Otherwise, they would have been done. Yeah. And I, I like Def Leppard a lot. And they were definitely a high school big love band for me. Like I said, that could have easily been a band that I was talking about on this episode. But truthfully... Hysteria for me was definitely a letdown. I was not a huge fan of Hysteria. Now, there's quite a few songs that I like on it, but after Pyromania, Hysteria for me was a letdown. Um, And that's just me personally. I didn't think it was uh, all that, but hey, that's just me. (laughs) So, Hollywood, let me ask you this. We we talked about it at the opener of this uh, show. So do you remember your first girlfriend or your first kiss? Uh, yeah, remember both of them. <laughs> Were they forgettable? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I yeah. want to say my first kiss was probably in like a, a game of spin the bottle or something. Uh, my first kiss was in a closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it like a seven minutes in heaven thing no it was like we were playing hide and seek and somehow i ended up in the closet with this girl and uh for some reason i remember dynasty was spinning on the stereo i don't know why and yeah it was forgettable for sure i know for a fact so my first kiss was probably like in the backyard or something with the neighbor girl or some shit like that but i can tell you for a fact that my first french kiss was definitely in a in either seven minutes in heaven or a spin the bottle uh, game at a friend's <laughs> house. That much that much I know. 
because I <laughs> I remember that sensation. I was like, oh, what's what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh uh, shit. I can't tell you my first girlfriend. I remember basically my first my first time on a plane. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because we, uh, I went to India when I was how old was I? Seven. I went to India. That was a long ass flight, wasn't it? Oh hell yeah, we went through. <laughs> I think we went through Hawaii, Tokyo, Singapore, India. Man, I think my first uh, my first flight was probably to Chicago. My parents had a lot of family in Chicago. I think my mom took me up to see my grandma. Oh, okay. I definitely don't remember the first time I heard my all-time favorite band. I don't know that you can remember the first time you hear your favorite band. Oh, for me, it was easy because it was Heaven's on Fire video. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, that was the first time I ever heard Kiss. God, man, I cannot. You never heard it on the radio or anything? No, I didn't know what, they, what it was, uh, right? So the... Top 40 radio, uh, what was it? Uh, it wasn't KRQR. It was like KFRC. Yeah. KFRC, I think, was top 40. They would play I Was Made for Loving You, but I didn't know it was the same band. And I liked the songs. It was a lot of top 40 stuff I liked. Uh, but like KVHS, wouldn't have, you know, they weren't going to be caught dead playing I Was Made for Loving You. They were playing Priest and Maiden and other stuff. They weren't going to be caught dead playing Soft Boy Disco Kiss. <laughs> And then they didn't play Creatures at all. What about any other first? Do you remember any other first? I would love to hear some of the listeners first. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. You guys write write in on Facebook and give us some of your first ones. We post this episode. Yeah. Once you get a chance to listen to this episode. God darn it. I guess I'm going to bring in my my last big five band. This band... Where I go back with this band is two places. When I hear this band, it takes me back to two places. One is I used to go to sleep at night with headphones on back when I was in high school. Like I, I loved falling asleep with my favorite record, whatever it was at the time. And listening to Rush's All the World's a Stage with headphones put me at that concert each and every night and I loved it. I loved that record. All the world's a stage had all the earlier rush and was such a great and I wore that thing out. I used to have the double album and then I moved on to cassette and that's how I played it when I was falling asleep but I had a great pair of headphones and I used to listen to that record front to back for two, three nights a week at least when I wasn't listening to Van Halen or something else. The other place that it takes me is when I first got to high school, I was a jock. I played baseball. I hung out in the locker room and some of the older guys would play music in the locker room while we were working out or getting dressed or whatever it was. And this one guy always played moving pictures. That was the album of choice at that particular time, which would have been 1980, 80, 81, somewhere in around there, whatever year that was. But that was my freshman year in high school. So I kind of discovered them through that. 
and then went back and started getting everything. And that's, that's a band obviously that has vastly changed over the years from one record to the next. And I know Sonny's not the hugest Rush fan in the world. Uh, and they're definitely an acquired taste, but there's a lot of people out there that have that acquired taste for Rush. So we're going to go back to the first record with this Rush song from 1974. All right, here we go, people. Let's get this party started. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, oh, one, two, three.
Yeah, like you said, I'm not the biggest Rush fan. I can appreciate the musicianship. Absolutely. I can't say I can listen to three Rush songs in a row because Getty Lee's voice just kind of gets to me. What I like about this song is it's very straight ahead rock instead of the prog rock that I don't like about Rush. And uh, it's got flavors of Zeppelin in there, especially when he's like, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Like, I was like, wow, that's very Zeppelin, but okay. Yeah, I mean, that's basically how they broke when they put Working Man on the radio in Cleveland. People thought it was the new Led Zeppelin song. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, there you go. That's our big picks for our anniversary episode, so... Hopefully that was fun for you guys. It was definitely fun for me and took me back to a few memories. Yourself, Sonny? Oh, yeah, me too. And then, you know, if you check this list out, Night Ranger, Van Halen, Striper, Iron Maiden, Whitesnake, Judas Priest, Metallica, Rat, Def Leppard, and Rush. You know what? Yes, we could have threw another 20 names in here of the Motley Crews and the Scorpions of the World, blah, blah, Y&T, all those. They will end up there someday. The people that love our type of music, this is Bang's own bands for them. Yeah, no doubt. You guys can see exactly where we're coming from with this episode, for sure. Yeah. So, no, it was fun. We could not escape this anniversary episode without this. Hi, everybody. It's Gene Simmons from KISS. I'm here with Sonny Hollywood Pooney, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast, but you knew that. You wanted the best, but you got the best. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so the historic moment. Everybody knows I'm a huge Kiss fan. You know, we're going to play something off the first record. No, it's not Firehouse. (laughs) No, it's not Cold Gin. No, it's not Deuce or Black Diamond. Check out Let Me Know.
Nah, that's a deep album track. That that song gets zero love. <laughs> it's a good song. I definitely I had to go back and listen to that song because I I don't know that I've ever heard it or if I have it was in passing. Yeah, I love the dual vocal, and you know it's the first time you kind of hear Paul and uh, Gene sing together. Yeah, because uh, technically they do it in Kissing Time too, but that's the next song, right? So let me know, man. I I really like that song, but. You know, the first Kiss album is like the first Van Halen album. There's too many damn hits on it. So everybody knows all the songs. Uh, but Let Me Know is kind of the, you know, like the first Van Halen album. Not everybody talks about Atomic Punk or On Fire. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. So. Hi, this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And this is Sebastian Bach from The Bar. And I want to tell you that when you do podcasts, you are stupid for giving it away for free. You're supposed to make money, and that's why we're here. Are we here for the fans? Yes. The fans keep asking for it, and if they keep asking, I'm going to keep giving it to the fans. If you want to hear this commercial again, go to kissonline.com, click on my codpiece, and your face will pop out, and you can hear it again for $49.95. Get it, Sebastian? Dude, I think it's cool. You're stupid. Go to kissonline.com. Damn, dude, a year. A year. I cannot <laughs> believe it. Cannot believe it. I'm proud to say we made it through an entire year and we're not even slowing down. It's only going to get better from here. Yeah, and it's so weird to not be in the same room every day and do this yeah. and do it consistently. And uh, I will tell you, I will give you credit, Stephen, for you had a plan. We didn't release till we had three or four in the can. There's still an episode out there that we did early that hasn't got released. I wonder what that sounds like now. Um, ooh, well, maybe that'll see the light of day someday. The vault. Um, the grown-up yeah. vault. <laughs> yeah, that's in the vault. But you had a plan. You stuck to it. You keep it consistent. Um, we still we have, we have this Google Doc of ideas that we haven't even dipped into yet. We've probably got two years' worth of ideas sitting on this doc. Yeah. Um, I so, looked at that today, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it just kind of goes to show you that if you have somebody who's got a plan, is committed to it, and they know what they want, then they just go do it. Life is wonderful. But if you kind of fly by the seat of your pants, you could easily not record for three, four weeks and kind of lose interest. Yeah. It's two things, in my opinion. It's having a plan and it's having the passion. And I think music is something that both of us obviously are hugely passionate about. I mean, we pretty much spend all our waking time, even part of my normal job now is music related. So, you know, it doesn't feel like work if you love it. I guess that's my point. Yeah, and it's definitely not work to me. I like doing it. Like, uh, I'll look forward to spending X amount of time going through the albums because I want to pick a deep cut. Like what haven't I heard in a while? You know, that kind of thing. It's made me discover some things I didn't know. And it's made me look up some things, you know, thank God for the internet and Google and that kind of stuff. You find out stuff you never knew when you were a kid. Uh, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that podcasting has bought me is not only the friendships that I've acquired over the course of the past year, which has been great. And I mean, you guys hear all these podcasters on their shows and, and you know them for whatever's happening on the show and all that. But these people are good people outside of their shows. 
you know, you get to know somebody outside of the show and these folks are really good people. I mean, good enough to go leave us things. Uh, our friend over at sit and spin Joe Royland writes in great show guys. Keep up the amazing work on it. It was truly a pleasure to meet you both at last year's rock and pot expo. You're good people looking forward to hanging out with Joe again. I think he'll be at the, uh, uh, rock and pot again this year. Our buddies over there at Potter Than Hell. BB, congrats to both of you. You two are like our podcasting brothers from all of us at the Potter Than Hell podcast. Thanks for always helping us out on our show and many, many more podcast episodes to come for the both of you. Yeah, it's very true. Both uh, both Sonny and I, uh, our second home is kind of over at the Potter and Hell podcast, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I've gotten a couple of opportunities, uh, several actually, yeah. to be on their podcast, and those guys are great. And with some of those podcasts, man, they're two, three hours long because they we get <laughs> into it. <laughs> it, it. It is a marathon. Steve Wright, uh, who is kind of the ringmaster over there at Potter and Hell. Hey, guys, congratulations on your one-year anniversary. And we're basically the same year, same uh, age because uh, uh, in podcast because Potter and Hell came out, I think, uh, maybe two, three weeks earlier than Growing Up Rock. Um, and so uh, he says, congratulations on your one-year anniversary. I've been with you guys since day one. Consider you guys friends. You have guested on our podcast several times and killed it with us. Really enjoy your show and can't wait to see you guys down the road. Cheers. See you in Nashville. He's another one. The Potter and Hell podcast going to be in Nashville. If you guys can make it out to Rock and Pod, I highly recommend it. It's a great time. Uh, how could we forget Jason Kearney? Jason Kearney did a VIP episode of This Ain't No Disco recently with us. He says he hopped on the rock and roll pod train at the first stop, which was episode one, and is still riding the train today while other podcasts... Uh, see, see if you can get what Jason's doing here. This is a good one. While other podcasts have been easy come, easy go, and have taken a flight to nowhere and missed the signs, there was a change in the weather, and you've come up with a solution. Growing Up Rock Podcast has been stepping over the competition and kept from falling apart. That's a ballad for Sony. Congrats on the first year, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Did you see what Jason did there, Sonny? What was that, like seven or eight Tesla songs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. J Jason and I and Sonny bond over Tesla. We're all huge Tesla fans. If you think about, like, I was just thinking about podcasts that, like, a year old. Digital Kill started about the same time. Yep. Classic Rock Drops started about the same time. Uh, CGWBCM started about <laughs> the same time. I wish they had less letters in their name, but you know, Wally and Rich started about the same time. We just call them uh, Todd and Mackenzie. Mackenzie <laughs> and uh, what is it? Who are the two guys? Dave and Dave McKenzie. No, who are the who are the Great White North guys? I have no idea. Those crazy Canadians. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, David Hudson uh, left us a message, said, happy anniversary from David and Chris at Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. You guys have a unique concept that works really nicely. See you guys in Nashville. So 
awesome. We appreciate everybody, but that's what the community has done for us was made really good friends with some of these people and has forced me to get back into music and find new passion with new bands and rediscover some of the bands that I missed along the way. So I love it. All right. Great episode, man. Yeah, that's it. Celebrate with us in this first year anniversary. Uh, Much more amazing stuff to come. Wouldn't be a grown-up rock show unless we did a shuffle, rattle, and roll, right? That's right. Go check us out on Podchaser. We would love to get to the 100 mark on ratings, and we're close. So if you haven't rated us yet on Podchaser, please go do so, and we will catch you later. See you guys. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.